0: It wasn't just like they ran into each other a few times. Like Jennifer and um I almost said Gaskill. I'm like trying to <laughs> <laughs> I'm just making <laughs> Gerald and Yaskir one person. <laughs>
1: And welcome to I'm Probably Overthinking This, a podcast about overthinking things. This is the first episode of this endeavor, and thank you for joining me on this journey. Today we are talking about primarily the Netflix uh, series called The Witcher, um, but we'll also be touching on the novels and uh, the third video game, uh, The Wild Hunt, which I have played and I really, really love. Today, joining me as sort of a book expert because I haven't had the time to read the books because pandemic, is uh, my lovely co-host Amanda. Amanda, thank you for joining.
0: Thanks for having me. I'm very excited.
1: Now you are a podcasting maestro, but what I primarily know you for is your podcast Pot Appetit,
0: which I really, really love. Thank you. Yes. So. Uh, yes, I have many podcast endeavors, but that's my main one currently. And uh, yeah, so we talk about various food media, and uh, right now we're talking about the chef show on Netflix. So we uh, break it down, and every uh, every couple weeks we watch an episode or two of a of something and give our likes, our dislikes. Um, we make jokes, we, <laughs> and then we, we try to cook something from the show. So. Yeah, I remember
1: that. That was one of my favorite parts about the podcast is that you would try and take something from whatever media you were watching and be like, or even just kind of take like a recipe and be like, I tried to cook this and I might not be the most cookie person, but this is my results, which I really liked. It just made it feel more raw and real other than like, you know, like the food network stuff, which don't get me wrong. I love food network, but at the same time, it always seems so cleaned and polished. It's like, and here's the dish that I just have prepared right here. Uh
0: Uh-huh. Oh yes. If you want not (laughs) clean and polished, that's me. I'm the quote unquote novice in, (laughs) in our group. Uh, yeah. I'm the one with Cooking disasters and fun all the time. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: And one of my most favorite things about the podcast is that it, um, when it y'all first started, it was kind of like a fan podcast about the uh, Pot appetite YouTube or the Bon Appetit YouTube channel. Yes. And what I really loved was that when everything came out about how Condé Nast was underpaying some of the employees, that y'all really spoke out about it and that forced you to sort of change your format, but I think for the better in a way.
0: Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, that was one of those things where we're like, oh, well, let's see what they do. And then, um, you know, for anyone who was a fan of the Bon Appetit test kitchen knows it basically imploded. And yeah, we just like in good conscience, like one of the things we always want to do is try to support and raise awareness of voices that are not just like white dudes so mm-hmm. we we try to to highlight things and so that was just like the absolute opposite of what we were going for so we were like all right let's uh let's let's rebrand and re keep going
1: yeah I remember when all that was coming out and I was like reading the articles and mm-hmm. I just like Unsubscribed from the YouTube channel and I followed it because I was like, I'm interested to see what. Because I like you, I love the test kitchen, and that's why I started listening to y'all's podcast because I'm like, oh man, it's like the office, but in real life. Uh-huh. But then all of these people are being underpaid, and I really love it how um, the guy from Binging Fr- with Babish, um, <laughs> Andrew Ray, is just like slowly collecting like everybody. On- Bon Appetit, uh uh friggin cast members and it's amazing like I love his series with um oh god with Sola I love that series so much her videos yes. were a friggin joy and I love the ones that he has with uh Rick as well
0: mm-hmm. we did a season um on the Sola series and mm-hmm. then Rick is always in our um, ideas of things that we want to talk about, but nice. there's so many shows that we want to talk about. <laughs> what are the ones that you have
1: discussed uh, in addition to sort of like the test kitchen zones? I know that y'all covered salt, fat, acid, and heat too, right?
0: Yes, we did salt, fat, acid, heat. We've done not the most recent, but the, I guess the one from last year or now we're in 2022. We did the 2020 great british bake-off okay what else have we done we did the the sola series on the babish stump sola we've done nadia bakes which is on netflix and nadia um hussein was a previous winner of great british bake-off oh yeah was she uh, the muslim girl yes she won yes. several seasons ago but yeah she has several other cooking shows now and so nice. we watched one of the ones on netflix we just finished up and did our potluck in January on Taste the Nation with Padma Lakshmi. Mm-hmm. It's on Hulu. It's, I think, my favorite of all the shows that we've covered so far.
1: Yeah, I remember Padma from Top Chef. She was the one of the hosts for Top Chef. I loved her so much.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and it's very much like both food and travel log and exploring American history and the way Mm -hmm. that like immigrants have been treated in the U.S. forever. Spoilers, not great. great. Yeah, um, yeah, pretty (laughs) much, Um, but I like, to me, like, even if it's something, something that you love, whether it's like pop culture or whatever it is, like, you have to be aware of the flaws and, like, Mm -hmm face them straight on because just blind allegiance to something without understanding the flaws and ways that things can grow and change I'm like that's just ignorance. but not that I'm political ever no sorry (laughs)
1: no never not at all (laughs) (laughs) honestly yeah like the whole situation with sort of bon appetit that could be like a whole episode on its own especially sort of the separating the art from the artist, I think, could be kind of tagged into here. That could be a whole nother mm-hmm. podcast episode on its own because I have so many thoughts, especially since I've gone through my own kind of moral reckoning vis a vis with uh, J.K. Rowling.
0: Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I'm right there with you. My sisters (laughs) and I like talk about this and struggle with it all the time. Yeah. But yes, like you said, that could be another episode. I'd be happy to come and rant about it. (laughs) Excellent. But
1: today we are talking about The Witcher. So for anyone who, like myself, wasn't aware of this as a thing until the Netflix series dropped, these are based on a series of novels and 15 short stories by Andrzej sapkowski and i apologize if i mispronounced that polish is beyond me i am an ugly american the main novels um according to wikipedia this is where i'm gathering all my knowledge so apologies for any misinformation (laughs) is the season of storms which i read is a prequel to the main series and then the main series which is blood of elves time of contempt baptism of fire The Tower of the Swallow and the Lady of the Lake. And the short stories were later gathered into a collection of two novels the first being The Last Wish, and then the other being The Sword of Destiny. Mm -hmm. These uh, series follow Geralt of Rivia, who is like basically a contract worker for monster hunting. is like the easiest way to describe it
0: <laughs> yeah like he has his own guild like the, you yeah. know like that's something they talk about all the time it's like oh you know in my guild
1: yeah that's one yeah. thing that I really loved about it is that there were like in the series it's called schools and he is a part of the school of the wolf he's known as the white wolf in addition to many other different nick names one that we'll get into <laughs> when we get into our season one discussion but it follows him and his child surprise, Siri for short, because she has a whole ass name, <laughs> and then the sorceress that he is sort of bound to by fate, Yennefer of Vengerberg. In addition to these books, there are many different forms of adaptations. There are comic books that are based on a bunch of the short stories In 2001 and 2002, there was a Polish film and a series, but Subkowski is not a fan of these adaptations, even though, according to some of my kind of research on Tumblr, uh, Tumblr seems to uh, really enjoy the Polish series. I wasn't able to find any sort of like links of where to watch it, but that is also out there. And then... Of course, there's the video games. There is the first one, The Witcher, The Witcher two, which is Assassins of Kings, and then The Witcher three, The Wild Hunt, and these are done by the Polish developer CD Projekt Red. They also are known for um, the Cyberpunk twenty seven or er, Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven debacle. That was when the time when I was kind of getting into gaming and I had just gotten my PlayStation because I was wanting to play the Wild Hunt because I needed something to tide me over until the second season of The Witcher dropped. And I was playing The Witcher Wild Hunt and I kept seeing ads for Cyberpunk 2077 and then nothing, it just seemed to all disappear. There's a really great uh, video talking about the development hell of cyberpunk 2077 i'll leave a link to it in the show notes by this youtuber um mini kudos it's really great and also really hilarious wild hunt that's the only one that i've played it is really really good and then of course we have the series the netflix series it stars henry cavill as geralt of rivia anya catralona i Really sorry Anya for mispronouncing your name as Jennifer and then Freya Allen as Siri. The first season comprised of 8 episodes that dropped on Netflix on December 20th, 2019. And then a whole two years later, we finally got the second season because (laughs) of a little thing you might've heard of called COVID-19. The second season dropped on December 17th, 2021. There was an animated prequel called Nightmare of the Wolf that dropped in August 23rd, 2021. And then we also have a live-action prequel series called Blood Origin that is supposed to be released sometime this year. So they are really trying to make their own kind of cinematic universe out of this series because apparently the Witcher series is doing gangbusters
0: for Netflix. I mean, I have become a fan because. Yeah. Of
1: it. <laughs> so that's what I wanted to get into. How did you discover like uh, the series? Was it just through uh, the Netflix show?
0: So yeah. I had heard about the video games. Mm -hmm. So a few years ago, I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts, which is (laughs) they have since ended, but are starting a new podcast soon. Uh, (laughs) But it was a nerd on nerd. And my friends, Liam and Ellie had done a whole episode where they played, I think the Witcher 3 three the one that you have played that's the one that came out in 2015 Mm -hmm. yeah okay so yeah they played that and they talked all about it and they talked about how it was based on this series of books and I was like oh wow like that's that's crazy like I've never I had no idea about this like I just knew that there was a video game but I'm not a huge video game person yeah just because I didn't we weren't allowed to have them growing up and so my brother and I didn't really have them until we were like mid to late high school so it just like wasn't part of the thing that we did yeah which we have since discussed that uh there's this whole part of uh pop culture for uh, people in their 30s that they'll talk to us and we're both like uh, i don't know drug emoji <laughs> i don't know what you're talking yeah. about i mean much to his kids my nephew's chagrin they're always like Amanda, what about this obscure pokemon and i'm like i don't know man oh my god my nephew he <laughs>
1: loves pokemon and he's just like tia this pokemon and i'm like Back in my day, there was
0: only 150 Pokemon. Yeah, uh, I did see the first Pokemon movie in theaters. Yeah, me too. It was so crowded. I could not sit with my family. (laughs) I had to sit alone next to strangers. But yeah, um, so I'd, I'd like heard about the book series through that podcast episode. And their new podcast, which is starting soon, is called Insert Thing Here which I'll be guesting on shortly. Nice. (laughs) So I had heard of that. And then at some point I saw that they were going to make a television show. And then, you know, I love fantasy. And so I was like, oh, I'll get around to it at some point. And then my friends, um, Jessica and Kyle, two of my best girlfriends, were constantly talking about how hot Henry Cavill was in it yes <laughs> and we're sending me gifts and like amanda you need to watch this and we basically have this group message where we just like thirst after celebrities and so mm-hmm. <laughs> they were like no seriously you're gonna love this so uh, i want to say it was sometime last fall i started watching and i watched like the first episode and then the next day my husband was like hey have you thought about watching that witcher series i was like funny you should mention it <laughs> I watched the first episode yesterday. And I was like, But I really think that you'll like it. And he's like, Oh, I don't know. And so I went ahead and restarted the, you know, the first episode with him. And then instantly he was hooked. And so we started watching and we zoomed through the first season in just a few days. Yeah. And he was like, When is the second season coming? I was like, Well, we're in luck later this year. So yeah, that's kind of how, you know, I had heard vaguely that it was based on this, you know, book series. And then I knew there was the video game and everything. And then, yes, thanks to some girlfriends, I got very into watching the Witcher. And then for the second season, my husband and I watched it within about two days.
1: Yeah. Same here. I was just like, I stayed up the the day it was dropping. I stayed up until three o'clock in the morning when it finally dropped in my time zone Mm -hmm. and watched about three episodes. And then I was like, I have to go to bed because I have to work the next day. And then I woke up, I set an alarm. I got up. I watched up until about, I think, episode six or so. And then I was like, okay, I have to stop. I have to go to work. And then I came (laughs) home from work and then watched the rest of the season. And then I promptly started rewatching it. Nice. My exposure to like the series, it's a little bit of like a weird progression because when I first heard about it, it was pitched as sort of like, "Oh man, this is Netflix's answer to Game of Thrones," and I was like, "Hmm," and I was mourning the end of Game of Thrones, and I was like, <laughs> "I really like fantasy," so. I'll watch just about anything, just as long as it doesn't crash and fucking burn like Game of Thrones did. (laughs) So I watched the first season and I was like, huh, that was was pretty good. And then I just kind of went about my thing. Like you just watch something on Netflix and you're like, okay, that was interesting. Mm -hmm. And I think what I struggled with in that initial first watch is that the first season is based on the short stories so you don't know kind of going in that there are three separate storylines because you've got Geralt's storyline, you've got Yennefer's storyline, and then you've got Ciri's storyline. And I think that that was a little bit difficult for me. And I don't think I'm the only one. I think a lot of people kind of struggled with that at first.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So when I did some more reading, because I'm something where I'm like, I'll just kind of tend to hyper fixate on something. And so I did some research on it and I was like, oh, okay, so it's based off these short stories. Cool, I'll rewatch it. And then in that second rewatch was when the fandom side of my brain clicked and I was like, I love this show now and I'm mm-hmm. going to dive balls deep into the fandom. Like I have so many bookmarks on AO3 for Geralt and Yaskir or uh, Dandelion, as he's known in the books and the games. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which is so confusing Which, to me now. Okay. So I I told you, I had a thing I wanted to bring up because I've read the first two, cause I do things backwards and yeah. I prefer to watch the adaptations and then read the source yeah. material because then it's richer and you're not just like angry that they changed something. Yeah. Cause I made the mistake long ago of, rereading a Harry Potter novel right before I went and saw the movie and then I couldn't turn off my brain of being like "Mm, wrong 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 Wrong. so I was like (laughs) not gonna do that anymore so I prefer to do the reverse of most people and I watch I watch whatever it is first and then read the novel and so I did for these I've been doing the audiobooks Mm -hmm. so so I've listened to the the short story th- uh both short story collections and then i just finished the blood of elves since those are the ones that the show is based on so far yeah and i cannot tell you how confused i was <laughs> about the i was like wait who's this who's this in the first audiobook they pronounced it dandelion <laughs> and I was like, who the hell is this Dandelion? <laughs> and oh then God. I did the thing where I like started going deeper in. And cause I like, I want to read stuff, but I also don't want to spoil stuff for myself. So yeah. like you have to, I have to balance that. And then I was like, ew, it's Yaskier. And they just changed his name because this is, and I was like, but that's Dandelion. So then in the second short story, the uh, the sort of destiny destiny they call him dandelion the whole time then in the blood of elves they go back to calling him dandelion so i don't fucking know <laughs> what is happening sorry i hope we can cuss oh I yeah knew. absolutely um but i was just like make up your mind the word is dandelion why are you calling him dandelion
1: Okay, so I watched this series of video essays about The Witcher. They cover the games, the books, and the series, obviously, and they're done by this a British YouTuber, Sophie from Mars. Um, they are non-binary and trans, super amazing, and they talked about the <laughs> the whole thing with like dandelion slash Yaskier, and from what they said in the Polish novels, it was Buttercup. Yeah, and in like the i think the polish word for buttercup is yaskier and then when they did the english translation they thought that like buttercup sounded too weird so they gave him the name dandelion so then when they were doing this netflix series they're like dandelion is kind of weird too so they went back to yaskier which technically is the name he had in the polish versions I believe yes. I've got that right. If I did not, someone correct me on Twitter.
0: That was my under because I've read about it. Yeah, of like- <laughs> <laughs> the whole etymology is what. This yeah, name the etymology is. of the <laughs> the character's name, but it's like one of my favorite things now to tell friends who like haven't read the books who are just like into the <laughs> into the show, and I'm like, "Hey, you know how you love like Yaskir?" And they're like, "Yes, he's the best." And I'm like, in the books he's dandelion and then they're like what and I just I love to see the reaction it's fantastic (laughs) like it's not at all confusing no no well and then that's why I was like so confused with the with the audiobooks is because it's not even like because I've listened to some audiobooks series where like in the first book they pronounce something one way, but then clearly the author has come in and said, oh, actually it's pronounced this way. And then it yeah. changes for the rest of the series. Like, I've read some and listened to some Gill Carragher series where things like that have happened. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't understand because it's gone back and forth. Like yeah. It was like, okay. They, I thought, alright, so they're just going to fix it and it's going to be Dandelion now. And then when I read the blood of elves i was just like why <laughs> what, what are you doing to me so i was like yeah i can't wait to talk to sarah about this and <laughs> yeah uh, so. dandelion
1: or yaskier this character he is one of my favorites like i love the trio but i really love yaskier and i think a lot of it has to do with the actor that plays him joey Beatty. he is incredible and he's an incredible musician if anyone who is a fan of the Witcher and they love yaskier you need to listen to joey Beatty's music that he does it's called the amazing devil it's a band that he has with madeline highland the music is incredible there is three albums um the one that was released in 2016 elsa's song the 2021 which is the one that kind of really blew up called the horror and the wild and then the one that they released last year in 2021 called ruin they released it on halloween and it is incredible like the music is in oh it's so good and i could do another whole episode about the amazing (laughs) devil music honestly because yeah but if you like dandelion if you like toss a coin if you like burn witcher burn which we will get into you will love Joey Beatty's music that he does outside of the series because it is incredible. So let's get into the seasons. The first season, like we said, is based on the short stories. Mm-hmm. And it can be a little difficult because <laughs> that was what I struggled with at first because
0: it, it was just confusing to me. Well, I was like, what is going on? But here's the thing. The short stories are not told out of order. Okay. It was a decision by the showrunner and the writers to do it out of order so that you were having the three different timelines in the first season. Mm-hmm. Because the short stories are told in order. But the <laughs> short stories... And and this is where... I kind of liked the three different timelines like when we were watching it I picked up on it first and I was like oh see these are they're all gonna meet eventually and my husband was like what and I was like think of it as Dunkirk but fantasy (laughs) oh where you have you know what I mean it's like yeah something's like a week and then like a day and then a few minutes or whatever so I was Yeah. So I was like, just think of it as Dunkirk, but fantasy where you have the three different timelines and eventually they're all going to meet. But there's not a lot of Yennefer and Ciri in the short stories. So they definitely expanded on their journeys and backstories in the first season in a a way that I really like that they gave the women more to do.
1: Yeah. What I have heard is that they like in the source material there isn't a lot that we know about Yennefer's background, so they just kind of had to build an own backstory for Yennefer which some people really liked and other people didn't really like, but mm. I I found Yennefer, I really love Anya as an actress i think that she is incredible there are certain elements of yennefer's storyline that i kind of struggle with especially in the first season but i think overall anya does a really incredible job i think that yennefer is a complex character and in a really great way and instead of just making a character that's either black or white good or bad she is very kind of morally gray but I think that's a good thing because I think that that kind of goes along with the style of the world that Subkowski has built.
0: Yes, I totally agree. And I really, I like her character development and having read Blood of Elves, there's, it's like they've taken little bits and pieces that they, that he talks about later on about the background of, a sorceress, or the, you mm-hmm. know, and sort of what little bits of the training, because you know how Tessaia is always calling her like "ugly one" and yeah, things like that. So that is what Jennifer calls Siri in the first novel as mm-hmm. she's teaching her witchcraft. Uh, see, I'm really glad that they didn't do that in the show because that would have bugged me.
1: Because yes. I hated it when they when she was doing that to Jennifer in the first season
0: yes absolutely and and so it was I I, it's like they took bits and pieces of some of the stuff like Yennefer was saying to Siri, or things that you learn as she's teaching Siri, and they ended up like giving her more of that backstory at least Mm -hmm. in in what I've read so far and I I I don't see (laughs) Sapkowski uh going on and and as I've been reading, I don't see him giving more backstory to the women, to be yeah. quite honest.
1: Yeah, I think that, I mean, we can only expect so much for like a white dude from Poland. Um, I've In the 90s? Yeah, yeah. in the 90s. <laughs> I think like the way that uh, Yennefer is kind of written is very sort of 90s feminism. In the video game, I think that they fleshed her out a little bit, but she is very sort of like, Fe- strong female character tm <laughs> <laughs> and i really don't like some of her interactions with Geralt. she kind of talks down to him in certain parts of the game because she's very much sort of like scheming and has her own kind of plans and she just expects Geralt to kind of follow along with it without like really cluing him in which i struggle with so i like this more sort of uh, nuanced uh, portrayal of yennefer Well, which of the episodes in the first season would you say is sort of your favorite?
0: Oh, that is a good question. I really like episode four of Banquets, Bastards, and Burials when the whole child surprise Mm -hmm. happens. Because I think that was the episode where I started really piecing together and like, oh, these are different timelines and here's where you're starting to see some of the things intersect, but not completely. And I just love the whole sequence with Pavetta and Queen Calanthe Mm -hmm. and all of that and Dooney coming in. And I, I just really enjoy all of that. And I really liked that short story in, and I feel like it was a very good adaptation of that short story.
1: Nice. I really like that one, too. I, I would also say that I think the first episode I really loved, just because I love the character of Renfrey, and I will be forever salty about Stregobor getting her killed. Oh, Ugh. my God.
0: Every time Stregobor comes on screen, oh, I literally yes. turn to my husband and I'm like, I hate him. I hate, hate I hate him. He's first. the worst. Oh. <laughs> In uh, the
1: YouTube videos that I was talking about, Sophie from Mars... Uh, they talk about that some of the Witcher's fandom is sort of like straight white guys with like a lot of really nasty opinions <laughs> um, and uh, alt-right opinions, you might say. And that they're like, oh, this is why we got to remain neutral in that sort of like objectivism. Really, that whole story is how when you try and remain objective, then initially you are siding with the person that is trying to do evil which plays out in that story because yeah Renfrey might have been a murderer or whatever but Strigobor is clearly the worst of those two evils so in sitting here trying to say oh I'm gonna stay neutral I'm gonna stay out of it you're inevitably going to side with something that's going to be really harmful
0: well and a big theme within the book blood of elves is this whole idea of like yes the witcher saying they're neutral but basically like Geralt and learning eventually and i i mean i think it's a theme throughout the show as well but Mm -hmm. like you can't remain neutral you eventually have to take a side exactly there's a lot of it in the, in the first full novel really breaking it down and talking about, and even Siri being like the whole idea of being a witcher is that you're helping people. So you're going to have to take a side if you're going to help people, you know, and Geralt being like, no, no. And then like instantly taking a side because he has to save Siri for himself. That is a good setup, like with Renfri and everything, where he's again, like you said, trying to be neutral, but eventually he has to act, uh, you know, he can't yeah. just, Stay indecisive and not do anything. And I feel like those actions really put this kind of shadow over him because he is always trying to be like, oh, no, no, I'm not going to do anything. But he wouldn't, like, Siri would not be his surrogate daughter if it hadn't been for him having this moral compass that he does, dur- you know, that he acts exactly. on during the banquet.
1: Yeah, because he could have let Dooney sit there and get killed by Calanthe but he chose to sort of like step in and help out because it's like no you have like a thing a child surprise like he called that's a special thing you can't just ignore that and oh man fucking Dooney man <laughs> but <laughs> It's like yeah you can't sit there and just not do anything you have to take a side and Gerald, he may sit there and say that oh he doesn't care I don't care about anybody it's like you care you are such a marshmallow deep inside you, oh my
0: god you big it's dummy like I love you so much Geralt and Yennefer are like oh no love pa. and it's like <laughs> oh, you love each other so much just chill out
1: yeah and I just like Especially in season t- two, they're just giving me all the thruple vibes when like Yennefer and uh, Yaskir started getting along. And I'm like, yes, my triangle oh. is now just all together and it's amazing. And they're all going to live in Thruppledom and raise this child together. And it's going to be awesome.
0: <laughs> <laughs> when she hugs him in season two, I was just like, yeah. Yeah, cheering. Yes, that was me. I was like, yes,
1: I love that whole scene, but we will get to it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah I really love the first episode and then I think also the episode I think it is I think it's episode yeah it's episode two where Dandelion or Yaskir is introduced and we uh also get introduced to Phil Evandrel
0: this is one where I preferred the adaptation in the show to the short story yeah how was it in the short story so in the short story instead of it ending up becoming like this thing between Geralt and Filavandrel like discussing and kind of figuring stuff out eventually by talk- I mean essentially talking things through sort of you know what I mean like it ends up there's this girl who's technically like a goddess of um the fields or something who lives in the village that Geralt came from and so the only way that philisandrel does not kill everyone is that this like goddess of the fields comes out and is like no don't Mm -hmm. yeah that's why i like the adaptation like the episode better because i think the changes that they made end up fitting more thematically with what is going on in the world of Mm -hmm. the witcher like on the continent and Everything that's going on with the elves, and what ends up you know happening in the show in season two, but you do get it, and it starts to happen more in the books. That you're dealing with like racism within the the fantasy world, and so I think it was a good adaptation to take out this extra character that never comes back again and is just like you know gone yeah. forever, and instead like bringing it back in onto phil Evandrel and him having to make decisions and things like that
1: yeah and i'm really happy that they brought him back in the second season i mean obviously i haven't read the source material i plan on it but um i really like the actor and also i think it was really funny how they have like this humanizing experience with the elves and then dandelion goes around and writes toss a coin to your witcher and Geralt's like that's not how it went and Dandelion's like doesn't matter mm-hmm. <laughs> like a very sort of like interesting thing of like artistic license <laughs> it's like it's got to make a good story man
0: oh yeah there, it's, it's definitely a thing you ask your Dandelion does all the time it's like well this is how I wanted it to go or yeah. here's the happy ending so I'm gonna put that there
1: yeah, that was my favorite. One of my favorite parts about the beginning of the fourth episode is like he's sitting there in the pub writing down all the details. He's like, oh man, I never get this much stuff out of Geralt. And the guy's like, oh, and then he died. And he's like, eh, he's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, if I had to pick a storyline out of the first season that was probably my least favorite, it was probably series just because uh, it's just her kind of just running along until she gets to a point where she can meet Geralt I mean I think that Freya she did a really great job and it is crazy how she like sprouted in between seasons oh my gosh right (laughs) (laughs) and that they made her stop they stop uh, making her bleach her eyebrows her eyebrows it looks so
0: bad Oh yeah. That is something my friends and I, who like nerd out about this all the time, are like, thank God the eyebrows. Thank God. It looks so much better. Like I saw this one where it's like,
1: Oh yeah. Jennifer comes in and she just like introduces her to like an eyebrow pencil <laughs> <and> fixes her <laughs> eyebrows. Yes. But yeah, I mean, I think there were certain elements of series storyline in the first season that were interesting, but just not particularly dynamic. She was just essentially sort of running for her life and just struggling to survive. And while that can be interesting, I mean, that was basically what Arya's storyline was for the entirety of Game of Thrones. It's yeah. the in the first season. It's just very sort of like that's eh, okay.
0: Yeah, it's and I feel like it's probably because in the two short story collections that the first season is based on Mm -hmm. she really only shows up in one story okay like there's you know there's the whole background you know of the banquet with Dooney showing up and everything but other than that like you know she's just mentioned there and then maybe a couple of times throughout there's mentions of like your child's surprise or your child destiny your destiny your destiny's child you know um (laughs) all of all of that kind of stuff and she really only shows up in the second short story collection um in one short story so sort of destiny is the second one and i'm trying to figure out which one it is that she shows up in it's when they're in broke where like that forest where yeah brockland forest yeah yeah so she's in when she's in Brokilon. So in the short story, it's called, well, it is the one called Sword of Destiny. Geralt has to go to Brokilon to do something with the Dryads. And then while he's there, Ciri has run in there as well for some reason. And so that's his like first time seeing her and realizing that, oh, this is, this is my destiny. And he like helps her and and convinces the dryads that no, you can't keep her here and make her become a dryad. Like that's not gonna work out. Yeah. And then at the end, I think it's like Ma- Mausack who's like, here, you know, here she is, it's time. And Geralt's like, no, no, I'm okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave again for a while. I don't I'll wanna. think about <laughs> <laughs> and I just remember at the end of that one, is like she uh, Siri like wakes up and is calling to him because she knows like this is what her life is supposed to you know intersect with Geralt's and then go on with him and she wants to go with him and Geralt's already left and ignores her as she's calling out for him and it's very like mm-hmm. uh, especially you know having watched the show and understanding like the connection and like he really becomes like her father figure and oh my so God, yeah. So, but that's the only out of like all of the short stories in the first two collections, that's the only one that has Siri as more than just a mention. Mm. So I feel like that definitely explains why hers is like the weaker of the three storylines. Yeah. In the first season, because they're they had to just like invent a lot of it. And so much of it is just like, oh, she's wandering through yeah through the woods she's just wandering like she survives the
1: sack of Sentra, but then she's just sort of like the plot is just sort of taking her from place to place until she can bump into Geralt honestly I wish that they could have found a way to maybe do it like that because I heard uh, through again this YouTube for uh, Sophie's videos they were talking about how it was so much more impactful in the books that Geralt walked away from Ciri, which I mean, they kind of do in the show, but it's one thing to walk away from like a person that is carrying the baby. And it's just like this vague idea that, you know, that a child will be
0: coming as opposed to a child that's like sitting there right in front of you. Who you have bonded with. on this other like adventure that you've had together and you've like protected her and that yeah so that it's a lot more like gut-wrenching when he walks away from her in the short Mm -hmm. story in there
1: because then they eventually get reunited after the battle of sodden if i remember correctly yes and it's just so much more impactful because this time he is like yes i am choosing you i want to lead Mm -hmm. you on this path
0: yes and that's another thing i think that It's only ever mentioned that they, she was like staying with people in a cabin Mm -hmm. and then he found her and then they, they reunited. Like, it's truly just like, oh yeah, that's how we got back together. Like you don't read (laughs) about that story. So I like what they did with that in the show at the end of season one.
1: Yeah. That was one of my favorite things about the wild hunt is that they give like a little, little clip of that showing like siri and gerald reunited because like the video game version of siri is so adorable and the grown version of her is really great too but they have like that moment where they reunite and oh oh my god like the video game version of girl he's just got so expressive uh he's so expressive and it was just really well done (laughs) because Um, I love Henry Cavill. He is very tasty to look at, but mm-hmm. we have like a running <laughs> joke between me and my friend Kate and then our friend Jordana, who adores Henry Cavill. My friend Kate is like, he is like a tree. He is like wood. It's like, this is the <laughs> perfect role for him because it doesn't really require a lot out of him. So anytime Henry Cavill gets mentioned in our Twitter group chat, she's just like, posts leaves and trees
0: <laughs> and <all laughs> oh my god stuff. that's hilarious well that's interesting because my mom caught up with the witcher recently and then I was like okay once you're done you have to call me and we have to chat about it and <laughs> her thing is that she doesn't feel like there's any chemistry between Henry Cavill and uh, Anya Charlotta and mm. and I'm like ah um, don't know if it's that as much as like the characters are supposed to be pretending that they don't care about each other even though they do yeah so i didn't fully agree with her but i can understand like the woodenness side of henry cobble yeah. like i can see where that would cause a barrier to feel like chemistry happening
1: yeah Which is really um, hilarious because like he apparently he is like a huge nerd about this series Mm -hmm. in terms of like he had like a fandom Bible Mm -hmm. on set. He was just like, oh, this kind of stuff like apparently in the second season, which we'll get into in a little bit. They wanted to kind of make a joke when Roach died, which was offensive to me because I was (sighs) gut wrenched when Roach died. Yes. (laughs) Um, Very sad. But he was like, no, we should pull. He and he pulled like the line from the books that they inevitably used in the show instead. And I was just like, Ugh. so Henry, even though he may be a little bit limited in his range, he really does his his best. And I think that he does a great job with yeah. Geralt. And I I think that I really love Geralt in season two a lot more than I did in season one, because one of the biggest complaints that I I heard on Twitter in like the discourse of The Witcher when people talking about it mm-hmm. is that they have Geralt being so monosyllabic and he's a really deep character. And I didn't really get that until I played the games because yeah, he's really quiet because he is traveling by himself. But when you get him around people that he is familiar with, he is very out and open and can be jokey and like some of the side quests that you can get into especially like the one with dandelion is really hilarious and it's like oh man i would love to see henry doing some of this stuff but there is a lot more depth to Geralt than they initially kind of showed in the first season so season two Geralt, i think is a vast improvement in terms of sort of characterization to this this guy
0: But they also have to show character growth. They have to show how he gets there, which I think to me is what a lot of season one is with him is Mm -hmm. him, you know, first of all, fighting his destiny, but also just like fighting these human connections, which by season two, he's starting to embrace more. I I love him in his Geralt dad mode. Like I just, I adore it.
1: (laughs) Oh my, that was one of the things where I was like, when they ended the season with like him hugging siri i was like okay it's fine but i remember i remember tweeting out or talking to my friends i'm like my number one thing for season two is that i need dad Geralt. i need moments of him being dad to siri i needed a lot because i love that kind of stuff where there's like big tough grumbly man and he is laid low (laughs) by tiny little child that he turns into a marshmallow round and they gave that to me in season two. And I'm just like, chef's kiss. So good. I loved it so much. But backtracking to uh, season one, what are some of the things that you struggled with in terms of like the storyline or maybe how it was developed from the short stories in the first season or just storytelling in general?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things I struggled with was the treatment of, um, Yennefer by Tissaia throughout yeah. the especially really the first that. part I, like we t- you know we mentioned like her calling Yennefer ugly one and just being like so cruel to her mm-hmm. and like her weird way of like well this will push you to be better like it just
1: yeah it like it I just, really hate that and it's toxic please stop
0: <laughs> yeah yeah it was just like oh oh the manipulation the emotional manipulation so yeah I that is I think the biggest part in season one that I was just like oh I don't I don't need this woman-on-woman verbal violence happening
1: I think also another issue that I had with season one and it's something that I kind of go back and forth with is the whole thing of Jennifer and her fertility issues now I'm not sure if Aratuza would have taken her for, like, made her be infertile, Mm -hmm. like, taken that away from her. It's not clear. I think that that was something sort of, like, as a way to, like, prevent these sorceresses, because they're going into these courts, prevent them from getting pregnant when, like, a king tries to, like, sleep with them or whatever.
0: Yeah. Maybe make
1: him infertile. That wasn't entirely clear. So whenever she has this big chip on her shoulder about losing her fertility i'm like but no you chose that because you wanted to get rid of all these impediments that were preventing you Mm -hmm. from being able to be as more of a effective sorceress like because of the fact that you're a half elf or quarter elf like preventing you from being able to rise in this social sphere so I was really confused and frustrating where she was like oh it was like stolen from me I was like but no you gave that away for that ritual you chose that and it's like I know that there's a thing where you can have buyer's remorse and yes. you re- have regret that she gave up her fertility like there was a line that she had where she's like I didn't know what I was giving up But at the same time, it's just sort of like I was with Geralt where I was like, you as a mother, like what? (laughs) And it's just, it was frustrating to have so much of like your main female character, her storyline kind of revolve around her fertility. It kind of had whiffs of the whole thing with Black Widow in the second Avengers movie. Mm -hmm. What's your take on it?
0: I... I feel like I see both sides of it. Like at mm-hmm. time there's this part of me that's like, "Oh, look, another womb trauma story." Yeah. And then at the same time, my husband accuses me of having baby fever and <laughs> I also get the idea of, you know, I I'm a woman in my mid 30s and I've had the discussion with doctors of like I do want to have kids, but I might be at the point where I it may not happen or it might not be healthy. And so then I have to think about, you know, we've started discussing if it isn't in the cards that way, then do we adopt or foster, you know, and it's, yeah. so I also, but I also have plenty of friends that are my age or younger who don't want kids. And, but it's like, if that is something that you want, I, I, it's like, I see both like, uh, yes, it's frustrating the womb trauma and like, oh, Mm -hmm. why does it always have to focus on that with women? And, but then at the same time, I'm like, it is something that is not explored in pop culture. Yeah. A lot of not being able to bear a child and what that means and how, you know, it's just like something I've dealt with as I've gotten older of how many of my friends have had miscarriages and no one ever talked about it like yeah. when we were growing up and then it's this very common thing and just this very silent thing so it's I it's like this I, I like it and I don't like it and then I like get really upset with it and then I'm like oh but I also see this so yeah I feel like I'm of two minds on it because it's like okay you can give her something else but at the same time This is a struggle that women deal with that is not always shown in media that isn't just like, oh, we're going for fertility treatments because it's a fantasy, you know, like I think of like private practice, everything was like, well, now for the fertility treatments and like. Okay, there's some other stuff, guys. Uh,
1: I think you bring up a good point that it is something like fertility issues isn't something that we see, especially in sort of like fantasy media. I mean, we see it in sort of like the costume drama thing. But it's very much in a sort of, you have to have a male heir so that the line can continue. Right.
0: There's so much of, oh, what's wrong with you, woman? Why didn't you give me a man child? Yes. (laughs) And I've had quite enough of that. Thank you. And I
1: think that there is something that could have, there could have been something there of having her have like buyer's remorse of like, I didn't know what I was giving away, but- I think that in order for her to have the kind of chip that she has on her shoulder with Tasea and Aratuza, if you want to have like them some sort of like fertility discussion of like forced sterilization on girls, I think it needs to be more effectively communicated throughout like the text of the show where are these girls all coming from are they coming willingly are they coming unwillingly and then they're forced and before they can even have like a choice of being all like oh I have my chaos maybe I don't want to just work for a king it's just like oh no this is the one thing that you're gonna do Mm -hmm. and then oh yeah also as a graduation thing we're gonna take away your ability to have a child
0: which is something like in the short stories, none of that was ever like mentioned. Mm-hmm. But in the in the Blood of Elves, so each chapter begins with a couple of quotes in from like within the world yeah. of like various like scholars or um sorcerers or sorceresses like having writings or giving opinions on things like um and of course, you know, it's like the prejudice assholes talking about like oh, witchers are mutants. Kill them yeah. all. You know, there's that stuff. And I f- want to say it's like the quotes before the last chapter, the second to the last chapter. It's when it's getting more into like Yennefer starting to teach Ciri when they're um, at Nanika's, um the Melitola um, yeah. temple. And so going into that, there's like a quote from some dude sorcerer who's all like oh I don't know how I feel about you know some some of these sorceresses bear children and some of them don't and you know you basically something about how like you can't be born a wizard like you have to become it or something Mm. and is that are they trying to force kids to have magic by bearing children and then like then the next quote is from Tosia just saying just make everyone just don't let anyone <laughs> like make them barren mm. and so I feel like it's you know from what I've read so far like it's this very small little quote and I think like they took those two things and then tried to expand it in the show
1: yeah I don't think and- that it was done super well but again where it seems like a lot of the stuff in order to try and give the show some kind of structure they're having to invent it out of whole cloth or from like these tiny snippets yeah that's like i don't envy lauren hirsch at all for that kind of job but at the same time i just i don't know i don't know what the writer's room kind of looks like i don't know how big or small it is
0: I, I think it's like a concept that they're trying to explore and I I just don't know how successfully it's being done. It's one of the, sto- the,
1: the sections or the parts of the first season that I always struggle with anytime I rewatch it. I'm just like, mm-hmm. yeah, this fucking, the shit with Yennefer, it still doesn't hit right with me. Like I love Anya and I think she does the best that she can do with a material, but that's still something where I'm just like, yeah, some of this is just hitting like a lead balloon. Just don't like it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think part of that too is like you have like, there's definitely more Yennefer in the short stories that lead Mm -hmm. into the, the first season, but not nearly as much as there is in the show. Like they've definitely, you know, taken things and built in yeah more backstory
1: in terms of like another episode that I really enjoyed I really did love the episode where Yennefer and Geralt finally meet and everything with the wish because number one yes. it's more Yaskier who I love and then also I think that their whole meeting was really fantastic and I think I might agree with your mom to a certain extent that maybe the chemistry between Geralt and uh Yennefer is so-so because it like maybe Henry and Anya don't quite mesh What mm-hmm. is as yell and maybe some of that is just out of necessity of like they don't know each other that well so maybe like the first seasons of a TV show are always kind of awkward it's mm-hmm. always like the freshman seasons like oh it's a good starting point
0: <laughs> yeah yeah
1: <laughs> like that's a thing where it's like any first season of a TV show is like rarely going to be like the best season of a tv show Mm -hmm. that is out there it's gonna build
0: and one thing that i think the the short stories like in the books are better at showing is how much time they spend together as a couple Mm -hmm. which i don't think is shown in the series as much yeah like it in the first season, it seems more like, oh, they've run into each other a few times. Yeah. Like, it, you know, oh, they meet and then, oh, then they run in together again when they're both looking for the dragon um, yeah. three jackdaws, which is a fun story. Um, also prefer what they do in the um, in the show with that. It just thematically it ties in a little bit more neatly. Mm-hmm. But in the short stories, like it talks about how it wasn't just like they ran into each other a few times. Like Yennefer and um, I almost said Gaskill. I'm like trying to, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just making <laughs> Gerald and Yasker one person, but um, <laughs> Gerald and Yennefer spend like years together, living together. And so they're like in this very deep relationship yeah. Even though you know, both are like, oh, well, I can't feel love. And it's like, mm, but you can. Sure. You're and- <laughs> Jam. So I feel like going into season two, I was feeling more of like the book background of like, oh, and the understanding of like these people spent years together and they have a lot more shared history than was shown in the first mm-hmm. season. Cause I was looking at, uh, looking at like season two, like when they see each other and things like their it being a performance choice of, I can't let my full emotions pull, like flow through and show through. So that, that was like where my mom and I were disagreed and she's like, yeah, yeah but those are in the books and it, they didn't show it in the show. And I'm like, and that is a very good point. <laughs>
1: Yeah. If you just watch the first season, then yeah, I don't get that kind of vibe at all that it's like, oh, like they have little peppering things in the text where it's like, oh, you guys have been off and on for years. It's like, but have they? Cause we just have this one meeting and then we have another inadvertent time skip. And then they meet up again with like the whole quest with the dragon. Yeah. How much time has passed?
0: (laughs) Right. And I definitely feel like they needed to, I mean, honestly, they could have done that with a short bit of dialogue of mm-hmm. between Yaskir even saying something of like, oh man, last time you guys were together for like five years. And then now sure. here we hear how many years has it been since you've seen her then? And, you know, like there could have been, it just felt like they weren't cuz i can understand like c- the constraints of not necessarily showing a whole episode of them spending years together you know yeah. but like it could have been brought up i think or uh dealt with a little bit more
1: i think it might have helped if and this is number 1 just me kind of thinking narratively and 2 being greedy for more content i think they could have expanded it out to 10 episodes and then mm-hmm. maybe give us another episode of just showing Carol and Jennifer actually being in a relationship together give us a sense of the kind of break that we get when they break up on the mountaintop in the sixth, seventh episode.
0: Oh, no, no. Total, totally, totally agree with you there. Yeah, because in the book, that's when they actually end up like getting back together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, they end up like getting back together and then break up again in the second short story collection. Mm -hmm.
1: All right, so let's move on to the second season. And the second season is a lot less complicated because it's based (laughs) on the uh, first book in the series, Blood of Elves. And I heard that there's also maybe some short story kind of peppered in.
0: So the first episode in season two is... Based on a short story from sort of Destiny. And Mm -hmm. it's very much like, as soon as this episode started, I was like, oh, I know exactly what short story this is. And (laughs) Siri is not in the short story at all. But Mm I feel like, you know, they needed them to sleep somewhere on their journey to the other Witchers. So they. To hear more and like they had to do something so it's very much um and there's more of this in the short stories where it is very clearly a specific take on a fairy tale
1: yeah it really reminded me of Beauty and the Beast
0: yes it is very clearly Beauty and the Beast in the in the short story and I think you definitely get that in the episode too but like in the short stories you have some others where there's like one short story that isn't in any of the show and I doubt that they're going to show it, but there's one short story where it is very clearly the little mermaid. And there,
1: I know that Renfri, she was a take on uh, snow white. Yes.
0: Yeah. So there's, there's definitely more when he was writing the short stories where you see kind of a, a direct like, Oh, here was this fairy tale. And then here's his take on it within the Witcher saga. Mm-hmm.
1: And it was kind of funny with the first episode. I was like, oh man, this is like really giving me Beauty and the Beast vibes. And I was also thrilled because the actor that plays him <sighs> is the actor that played Tormund Giants Spain in Game of Thrones. And I was like, mm-hmm. my
0: baby. <laughs> he looks so was different like, without his baby, beard. I'm disappointed. And
1: he did look bizarre without his beard. I was like, he looks like a completely different person. But it reminded me of Beauty and the Beast. But then it also reminded me of a side quest or no it's a witcher contract well basically a side quest but it's a witcher contract that you can take on in the witcher the wild hunt when you get to skelega which sidetrack i really hope at some point we get to see skelega because skelega in the games is so cool and i would love to see what they do with Skellige in the show if we ever
0: get to that's where it. east is from right um Series, yeah, uh, grandpa's
1: husband, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the grandpa, yeah, he's from uh, one of the Skelligan Islands, but um, there is a side to- track in Skellige where it's like this garden, uh, I think it's called the Garden of Freya, um, because they're very sort of inspired by like Nordic, Scandinavian, sort of mm-hmm. it's got like a very sort of Scandinavian type of vibe to it, so it's very sort of like Norse gods, they'll talk about like um, Freya. Um, Heimdall. I think they even name dropped like Odin at some point. But um, there's like this garden of Freya, but it got taken over by this monster Morvarg, and you realize that it is a man who has been cursed into a beast because he came in and he murdered all the high priestesses because he was a part of this raving party, and he was the one that took it too far and murdered all the priestesses and one of his compatriots. And the priestess that he was, like, murdering at the time cursed him. So, like, the whole thing when Nivolin was talking about going into mm-hmm. the temple, I was like, oh, this reminds me of the Morvog side quest in The Witch of the Wild Hunts. And I was like, "Nivolin, very bad.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That was, in the in the short story it he, it was not as dark as that. Like, it was Ooh. much more the Beauty and the Beast. Like, he didn't let someone in the house. Yeah. Like, and then when it was that he had raped someone and that, like, Geralt and Siri just, like, turned their backs, it was just like, whoo. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, I didn't see that part coming. Oh, boy. What I I really enjoys a weird
1: way to put it, but I really liked that they kind of had that kind of complexity in it Because she's like, oh, you're not a monster because you're being so nice to me. He's like, no, I've done pretty fucked up things. Mm
0: -hmm. It's like monsters
1: are more than just like people with scary faces and fangs.
0: Yes. Well, and I think it was, it shows again where Geralt's moral compass is. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, he'll forgive a lot, but he's not going to forgive that.
1: Yeah. And also, I think that they did a really good job, but I think... Think that I wish that they'd have shown just a little bit more struggle. I mean, it's kind of funny because I love that they showed such an intense connection between Geralt and Siri from the beginning, where he was just like, immediately happy, supportive dad, you can do anything you set your mind to, baby girl. (laughs) And I was like, yes. (laughs) But at the same time, when we get into discussion of another episode, it really kind of bummed me out because I think it was to a detriment of a character that I really like. But yeah, I really do love how they have that strong connection Mm -hmm. in like that first episode and how it really kind of builds. And it feels natural. Like I think that Freya and Henry have like really good chemistry together and they are just just too cute together. And Freya, I think she she really did a good Mm -hmm. job in this season. I was really impressed by her. Yeah, she was great. What were uh, some of the elements of this second season that you really enjoyed?
0: Well, I mean, as I've said, I really like Dad Geralt and Siri and all of that going on. I really liked, because this is not something that was in the book, but the Yennefer not having her powers and having to... Ah, yeah. I really like that too. Yeah. Because in the in the book, instead of losing her powers... um. That sodden she instead loses her sight for a while mm, and so it's it's not like a super deep part but there's definitely parts where she's like just like staring out at the the woods or you know whatever thing is nearby and is just like really grateful that she can see anything and so I like that they took that idea and yeah. put it into her losing her powers and learning how to get by without them and being okay without having them eventually like coming to peace with that
1: yeah I think that that was something that was really particularly impactful because we saw so much because she came from nothing and she was she had invested so much in her Mm -hmm. ability to be able to harness her chaos I thought it was really great that they kind of like Strip that away from her. And it's just like, no, there's still more to you as a person besides your ability to be able to right. do magic. Like, I
0: mean, she oh. saves Yaskier without using magic, which is just amazing. I love that scene so much. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, when she pretends to be the drunk and then, yes. fra- oh, it's so
1: now. I was like, loving everything about this. 100% so good. Could watch this over and over again. Like, the entire, the, first I love the way that Yaskier was introduced in this season hated that it was until season episode four uh-huh. but I loved how he was introduced and I just loved all of him and Yennefer's interactions because I watched a bunch of clips of Joey Beatty and um, Anya of like them doing press interviews together and they have such incredible chemistry so I was really happy they were like we went to lauren they basically were like we went to lauren and we're like hey we really want to be able to hang out more on (laughs) set so like get right away to for us to like have be able to hang out and i thought it was so cool and i was just like yeah when they reunited and she hugged him i was just like i love this i love everything about this Mm -hmm. it's like yes (laughs) Because I ship Geralt and Gear, but I also love the thruple aspect because mm-hmm. I just love Yennefer's dynamic with each of them and how it's just so antagonistic between her and gear But I think that that's one of the things I really love about it.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> he was just like, hugger. We are hugging. <laughs> Joey <laughs> did a great job, although I must say that the Curse of the
0: Terrible Wigs afflicted him oh my god was this is something i've had multiple conversations about and how they did him wrong in this season yeah oh my god it was so
1: bad i don't know what 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 were they doing but
0: oh i compared it to like the seriously bad wigs in um the twilight and twilight new moon Oh god yeah isn't it's like seriously that bad where like you can see the wig line on um Taylor what's his head like you can't yeah oh my god his wig in the first movie bless his heart and it is that level bad of a wig and I'm all I can figure is like they decided they were gonna cut back on the wig budget so that they could have all the monsters in the final episode but like, I it just yeah. Cause it's not Henry's that hard to have a better wig. Really
1: bad in the first season. Like there was some, I was like, that hair looks so dry. You need to do like some deep conditioning. You need to put some oil on your mm-hmm. hair. It looks so dry. I look like I could just break it in half, like a bunch of spaghetti noodles. And then in the second season, me personally, I thought it looked really good. It looked a lot more natural, but then the curse continued because then Yaskier had the bad yeah. wig. And I was like, Oh, God, please don't let this happen to Yennefer.
0: (laughs) i just like, guys, I need you to have a better wig budget next year. Yeah, for real. Like, you need to get the people
1: from Game of Thrones. Because the Game of Thrones wigs were good. Looked top-notch. Absolutely. Like, y'all need to get your shit together. They also did... um, Oh, God, what's her name? Um, Triss. They did Triss Dirty in the second season. Because... There's this exhausting discourse (laughs) of what Triss's hair color is supposed to be. Okay, you having read the books, what is the description that they give Triss's hair (laughs) in the
0: books? I mean, the way that they... I'm trying to remember what the exact word was, but... The way it was in season two, I feel like, is how it was described in the book. Yeah, I it was thought at the least color my was ta- pretty. I just, I thought that the wig looked really
1: bad, as opposed to like the actress's natural hair, which yeah. looks
0: so gorgeous. Which I think is the whole idea of it's part of her change after she's been burnt. Yeah. And so that's another one of, like, the physical manifestations of it. But, like, the coloring seemed to fit with at least the description that I am remembering. But that's still no excuse for a bad wig. Like, you, yeah. you can do a good wig. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Because, like, it just, it it looked like a bad
1: Merida wig. From like brave.
0: Mmm. Yes. Yes. I definitely see the Merida. Yeah. Because mm, in the video games, which everyone's like,
1: oh my god, the video games, video game Triss is so much better. In the video games, she has bright red hair, like actual red hair. Oh, okay. And so a lot of uh, like fans and plus live sort of like again, I haven't read the book, so I don't know, but they're like based yeah. on descriptions from the books. Triss is a redhead, so when she wasn't a redhead in the first season. Fans flipped out and then Lauren capitulated, but then she capitulated in a bad way because she gave the actress a bad wig.
0: <laughs> yeah. so it was
1: just like, what?
0: <laughs> yeah. So one of the things that I thought was interesting as far as adaptation goes mm-hmm. um from the book to this season is in the book, Tris is the one who was reported as dead at sodden mm. not yennefer lots of people thought tris marigold was dead not Yennefer because at no point does Geralt think yennefer is dead in yeah. the blood of elves
1: i thought it was a good choice to have him sort of thinking she was dead oh yeah because cool. i thought that it kind of gave henry a little bit something to do limited though his something to do maybe yeah. But I thought I really, really loved like him mourning Yennefer, but I was mm-hmm. also really happy that they didn't have um, Geralt and Triss sleep together.
0: Uh, yeah. Cause they do in the book, not in yeah. that way, but in the past, like he's so much more of a man whore in the book. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, yeah. And in, in the books, he's much more just like sleeping around all the time and I appreciate that they don't have him just going like oh I'm pining for Yennefer so I'm gonna go bang this chick now yeah. like
1: although I did love the scene with the sex worker from the first season yes that yes. scene was really good especially with <laughs> it's like you're not paying attention to anything I said he's like uh, aren't you already familiar with how that feels <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much
0: yes, but yes. yeah but i i liked what they did in the show with triss more because mm-hmm. it is the same as far as like she is trying like she tries to get with Geralt yeah and he at um caremoren and he turns her down but like she is just a better character like in the show in that way because then in the book she spends another i don't know several months constantly trying to kiss him and mm-hmm. like And, like, I granted, she does get, like, very sick and she has a fever and stuff. But, like, even Siri is like, I'm uncomfortable with how much she keeps trying to throw herself on him. Like, it's just. And maybe
1: uh, an aspect of that is just sort of like, this is a woman being written by a man. Uh Uh-huh. Exactly. And that
0: is, (laughs) yeah, that's one thing that repeatedly when I've talked with my friends about it who have only watched the show are like, they're like, wait. The women are more well written in the show. And I'm like, yes, so much so. I know there are still some issues. (laughs) (laughs) However, it's a lot better in the show. So I want
1: to touch on the second episode because it's probably, it probably has one of the biggest controversies of the season. It was definitely the thing that I saw the most kind of talked about. On Twitter, to the point where, like, Lauren Hirsch had an entire thread about this was um, the second episode where they get to care Morin and the mm. death of
0: eskel who does not die in the books. No, um, he's, he's to my living. knowledge, at least where I am in the books, he's still living. Yeah. He also has a lot more to do in the show, though. Hey, guys, editing Sarah
1: here. So what I didn't really feel like I articulated very well in this discussion with Amanda with what I was trying to get across and what I wanted for Eskil, I pulled up Lauren's Twitter thread and she, when she was talking about the death of Eskil and she said that the conflict of our Geralt wasn't about how to be a father but the lengths he would go to protect his child's surprise. Articulating Geralt's journey on screen had one other big challenge for us, namely that in Blood of Elves, most of his time is spent watching and taking in Cirilla and her powers so that he could understand the breadth of what he had promised Calanthe and how best to protect the girl from future threats that hadn't yet presented themselves. In print, it's a gorgeous unfurling of listening and learning a slow and steady beautiful journey of how a witcher becomes a father. And of course, because of all the above, Geralt's journey needed adjusting. But more than that, after writing several episode drafts, we faced an undeniable truth that most audiences don't want to watch. Eight episodes of any character watching and waiting and reacting, much less the titular character with whom swords and adventure and bathtubs have become synonymous. Book fans may feel differently. I understand that. And she further says, we have a dilemma that will play out the whole season. Just how far will Garrett go to protect the girl that is his destiny? Which wins out being a witcher or being a father? Can he save both and how? She talks about how, like, the mystery involving the Leshy infecting Eskel and how that is tied with Ciri. And I really get that. But I just really wished that we could have found a way to show that without sacrificing Eskol, Because even though he may not amount to much in terms of the overall storyline, I still think he's a really great character. And I just really would have liked to see more of him at K-Morin. And I think that we could have had a similar thing happen where we do see Vesemir maybe sacrifice one of the other Witchers in order to save Eskul. And they can still have that sort of investigation of how the Leshy was able to get so far with Eskul. And I don't know, maybe people will feel differently, but that's just how I kind of see things and It's probably just my fandom talking where I just really loved Eskel and I really liked the actor that they cast as Eskel. So I was looking forward to seeing more of him and I was really disappointed when they killed him off. Sorry, back to the show. This was where I was most kind of putting on which is obnoxious because I've never like written anything like Lauren has. Um, But this was where I was most putting on sort of like my script doctor thing because read through the entire thread and she was basically talking about like a way to sort of show how Geralt would be willing or to do anything for, uh, to protect someone. I I can't remember her exact explanation, but I was like, okay, I understand that to a certain extent, but at the same time, I think you could have done that. In a way that still had Eskel survive. Because I really love Eskel as a character from the video games. Oh, he, okay. He's a character in the video games. Like you get to interact with him a lot at Care Morin. And plus I just really liked the actor that they had cast as Eskel. So it was just really disappointing that you cast this guy. And then you kill him off. But I think personally that... It could have gone a little bit more smoother and you could have gone with the same type of message of having Eskel get infected by the Leshy. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But instead of having him where he's with the woman and he seems to still relatively be himself while, while also being like really aggressive, but then just all of a sudden he just seems to like burst into full Leshy mode. I wish that they would have have him sort of like starting to really freak out and Geralt and Vesemir go in there and they've got him trapped and he's starting to deteriorate even more and Geralt just wants to kill him and put him out of his misery but Vesemir is saying no this like because this is basically one of his sons and he is Mm -hmm. willing to go above and beyond to be able to save Eskel some people do die it, they did in the episode if i remember correctly but vesemir is like i want to be able to save him there's still like we still have a chance and being able to reverse it that sort of being something that geralt sees as a sort of example of being willing to do anything and everything to be able to protect mm-hmm. your child which maybe it's something that he is kind of struggling with because this is still his child surprise serious child surprise But they don't have that kind of more genetic connection that Siri has with her family back in Sentra. And then him kind of more developing his skills as a father. Because even though I really loved how he seemed to just innately be like super duper supportive dad, I would have liked to see him struggle just a little bit. And then that way it could be so much more impactful when she's tearing down Kare Morin because she's and uh possessed by the witch, but he's no, I can still save her.
0: Yeah. No, I see what you're saying. I think with the the Eskel thing, yeah. that definitely has to be something like because he made absolutely no impact on me yeah. in the in Blood of Elves. So I think that's definitely more of a, a thing from the video games yeah
1: and maybe it's sort of uh just a sort of thing of like trimming the fat because you don't want like a game of thrones scenario where there's like just huge cast of characters
0: because I really
1: loved Lambert and Cohen but I just I would have loved like just Eskel sitting there too having his little input because he's a lot more gentler than Lambert is Lambert's very sort of like boisterous boy and that Mm -hmm. works Lambert's the redhead right yeah Lambert's the redhead which works with like how he was in the video games too because I haven't read the books but he's very much like a little shit in the video games and then Eskel is the one that's a lot more chill cool calm and collected so Mm -hmm. it would have been really cool to see them kind of playing off of each other um, and just really get that kind of brothers vibe yeah that it it, might seem like a minor detail to some people but I was just like I can understand the sort of fan frustration with uh the death Mm -hmm. the death of eskel because i really loved that character in uh the video game
0: yeah i can see that if it was a beloved kid yeah which i was unaware of (laughs) so i had no idea it was a controversy
1: but yeah when i was i was like oh man twitter's gonna be pissed like i searched (laughs) eskel on twitter and yeah people were like what the fuck and she was because it <laughs> dropped around the Christmas holidays. And she's like, Warren, yeah. bless her heart. She was getting on Twitter and saying like, hey guys, I see you. I hear you. I promise I'm gonna address things. We're gonna talk about Eskel but I just, (laughs) I need to spend time with my family and kids (laughs) because it's Christmas. Christmas, Yeah. I don't want to spend time (laughs) with my family in the holidays. I'm really sorry, but I have to prioritize my family, but I promise I'm going to talk to you guys about the decisions that we made. Yeah. (laughs) I understand you're (laughs) (laughs) upset. Which I think that some people in their criticisms, and that's like one thing that was like definitely an element of the fandom that's like really problematic was like the fans who they're like this is based in like poland and the the author is polish and it's based on all these sort of nordic and scandinavian and like these predominantly Uh. white stories like you and and, but there can't be black people or non-white people in it that was one thing that threw me off in terms like number one that's no, not not valid criticism at all because it's racist where it's like why is it that you can you can stand a magical world where <laughs> there is magic and monsters like a, a giant a dragon tree spirit and a fucking dragon but black people right. is where you draw the line
0: which is just fucking ridiculous yeah.
1: like that and just like no that's why when i put my tweet out initially when i was like asking hey can someone that's read the books kind of come on and kind of talk about yeah the different stuff i was like but if one of your criticisms is that there are black people and non-black people roles which whatever the fuck i was like no that's racist no go away
0: <laughs> yeah be gone with you because
1: i love Inherent. anya Inherent. i love the guy that plays istrid even though i think istrid kind of lacks a spine in some points and I love the actress that mm-hmm. plays Tris. I just I love all of the different characters and
0: and Dara like I love Dara
1: I think that he is developing into a mm-hmm. really
0: really interesting character I think he's interesting and uh, as all of the stuff I've read so far he yeah. is not a character so it's I really enjoy him yeah
1: and uh, Fringilla I think that the actress that plays Fringilla because Fringilla is a tough character and to kind of balance because, yes like, i i don't like the character because she's very super religious and as someone who has like a lot of religious trauma <laughs> i kind of like Ugh. yeah i don't like the white flame the white flame sucks <laughs> but i um, also find frangilla really interesting
0: yes she's an interesting character like you never really root for her mm-hmm. but you also aren't actively like die in the second <laughs> season you know like you're not like oh man i want you to win because it's like oh yeah. you're doing something yeah the, the a mirror there but um yeah in blood of elves they refer to siri as the white flame which is very interesting mm.
1: that was <laughs> speaking of like tiny little nitpicks and stuff in terms of stuff I kept waiting, because they kept saying the White Flame when they were talking about Aemir slash Dooney, and I kept waiting for them to say his full title, which is the White Flame Dancing on the Graves of His Foes. Because I just <laughs> thought that that was so cool. But they're like, no, we're just going to condense it to the White Flame because we don't want to have another Khaleesi example where it's like, the narrator uh-huh. of House Targaryen, game <laughs> Yeah,
0: they've they- They've learned lessons yeah. from Game of Thrones. Like, that's that they fine, but I just wanted
1: to hear it just at least once. A <laughs> little <whole> bit, yeah. <laughs> like, even if it was said in, like, a mocking tone of, like, oh, yeah, not dancing any grave. I really loved Fringilla's storyline. Like, I loved the whole thing with, like, the witch in the hut-hut. I thought that that was really cool.
0: Yeah. I thought that was very cool. That is not something, I don't know if it'll come later. In the stories like there's definitely some presence that will like speak through Siri sometimes but the whole idea of like the 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 hut hut like it's the baba yaga yeah. and like just because even the it's the hut with the chicken legs and everything anyway but the whole other <laughs> fairy tale thing <laughs> um and folklore but i thought it fit really really well in the series and again gave you two female characters that aren't really fleshed out in the book yeah or even there to be dynamic and have wants and needs and their own their own story arcs that they're going through
1: it filled me with so much anxiety though because when fringilla was like buddying up with francesca i was like this Mm -hmm. is going to end poorly (laughs) it's like Oh, this is yeah. not going to end well. Francesca, please don't pair up with this woman. Please don't. It's
0: gonna end badly. Yeah. And
1: it fucking did. And I was just sitting oh, there it like is.
0: Yeah. Oof. Like Well, also, I just have to say, because watching it, I was unsure who the father of Francesca's child was at first. And I thought it was their brother. And then I was so relieved. Yeah. That it was not her brother.
1: It's like, (laughs) Phil Evangel, oh, thank God, we're not going to have another incest scenario.
0: Oh, my goodness. Thank God he's the father and not her brother. (laughs) I don't need more incest right now. And that
1: was a critique that I kind of saw on uh, TikTok, because I follow this cosplayer who does gear cosplay i think her mm-hmm. account is ruby underscore coconut i will leave a link to her account in the show notes because she is super hilarious but she was doing like these little videos where she was talking about she's reading through the books and then kind of discussing her thoughts and she said that mm-hmm. one thing that she really liked about the second season was the inclusion of the deathless mother because otherwise the storyline of the blood of elves there's not much to it it's them yeah. kind of like again much like series storyline in the first season just kind of going from like place to place place to
0: place yes it, it always makes me think of why I've never been able to finish reading the two towers as they're just wandering about <laughs> in the first part of the book and I get bored and I stop reading <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, that, like the the Lord of the Rings is a series that I have yet to still read because I've heard that it is at points
0: interminable. <laughs> and I'm sure someone's going to be like, oh, your nerd card's revoked. Yeah. Look, I own the extended version. I love the one movies. Of movies. I adore them. I rewatch them recently. Love them. I've read The Hobbit. Mm-hmm. I read Fellowship of the Rings. I've tried several times to do the two towers and they start wandering around in marshes and I'm done. <laughs> every time i am done so what were some of the
1: things that you really enjoyed and then didn't so much enjoy in the second season
0: um well like i said i i liked the the yennefer and her magic being on i liked the father daughter stuff i did not like that they killed the baby elf like i yeah i i realized the baby elf never got to do much but it did feel a little bit like frigging a baby mm just to have the mother seek revenge against all humans. I'm trying to think if there was anything else that in particular, I was like, mm. I, cause overall I really enjoyed the second season. Oh yeah. A lot. Me too.
1: I just wish there was more of it, but I'm, I, yeah. I think if they're going to continue with just sort of like these eight episode seasons, I'm going to be like, can we just get two more episodes? I just want a round nice 10 seasons. I think you'd, really be able to do a lot with just t- the 10 c- 10 episodes that'd be really great
0: yeah yeah i i definitely feel that because as soon as it ended like my husband's like wait there's not any more what are we have what are we gonna do and then he ended up finally watching game of thrones for the first time because he wanted more fantasy oh man just just warn him how that that how it ends because oh yeah he's uh, yeah he we he's already gone all the way through <laughs> it <laughs>
1: But yeah, I, but, overall, I yeah. think that this second season was a lot stronger. I think it really helped. Mm-hmm. It really helped that it
0: was all one nice storyline. I I think the pacing yeah. overall was better. Like I don't mind when things are out of order, but sometimes you know you don't have to Dunkirk it. Yeah. Like you, you, it's okay to tell things and in a straightforward way which is something my my brother has been complaining to me about with uh, the book of boba fett but that again is a different episode
1: <laughs> oh yes because i have yet to watch that because i especially with like the disney plus stuff when they tend to do the week to week unless it's something that i'm really super invested in like the falcon and the winter mm-hmm. soldier i just wait until it's all out there and then i and just, then binge uh, it. i marathon it yeah
0: yeah. I mean, it's, you know, this isn't giving anything away, but there's some flashbacks and my brother's like, they just should, instead of flashing back, they just should have done it all in order. <laughs> but yeah,
1: I, I really enjoyed this season. Um, It's been a hot second since I've rewatched it. But I think overall, it, it just felt so much more stronger. And I think it really kind of built the world and it really built to where mm-hmm. we're going to have like some really great. It made me really super excited for season three, which I hope it doesn't take another two years.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty. Pleased. Yeah, I was <laughs> like,
1: let's not have like a resurgence of the COVID. Like everybody just wear masks, get vaccinated, get boosted if you can please 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 um because I'm really excited by the new characters that they introduced like Dijkstra when I saw him I was like it's Dougal from Outlander oh my god and you're acting so freaking weird and I love it
0: when he was like drinking and talking to the owl I was just like Dougal what are you doing yeah
1: (laughs) Dijkstra and I was just like And Deekstra because Deekstra's another character that shows up in the wild hunt and he's a fucking dick but he's like a helpful dick at times and then the introduction of Philip like I was salty that they just waited until the very last second of the episode of the season to reveal Philippa I was like Philippa Eilhart finally and then you're just gonna reveal her at the very end and then we have to wait a whole week she
0: is she is a bigger part of the book oh Um, so salty yeah she is a i mean not a huge part but she plays a much more significant part in um blood of elves and very quickly you discover the owl is philippa it's not like there's an owl throughout most of this yeah it like most of the book and then suddenly it's like and it's a woman it's like no very quickly yeah. it's like it's like the mcgonagall oh, this owl and, is like now the woman.
1: beginning of harry potter it's like nope it's a it's a person
0: it's maggie yeah. smith it's, it's very mcgonagall <laughs> it's like oh look now here here's the reveal okay it's philippa now you all know this is philippa in the book as opposed to like i kept going like is this, what's going on with it like yeah. in the show like what's going on with this owl is this a magic owl is, is extra just like insane like what's going on Dougal are you just mad or are you actually talking to someone and it was like oh he was talking to yeah. someone okay and I
1: was really frustrated that we didn't get more Philippa because it would have really helped with like the queer representation front because she is a lady love lady and nice. I'm just like If they're not going to make Yasker bisexual, although he is bisexual, in my heart, because I'm sorry. There is no straight explanation for Burn Butcher Burn. I I will... This is the hill that I will die on. (laughs) The moment I I heard it, I was like, this is a T-Swift breakup song. It is totally
0: a breakup (laughs) song. It is totally a breakup song. And it's such a badass breakup song. Oh God, it's
1: so good. It's just like, Oh my God, this boy dumped you on a mountain. And you're like, I'm about to burn this whole man's career to the ground. And I'm here for it. When I heard the song, I had it on repeat. Was just listening to it over and over again. Because number one, Joey Beatty had input in the songwriting this time around. And it shows, it shows so much. And it's just also his performance because he is so gifted as a singer and a performer that I'm just like, mm-hmm. oh my God, yes. Ugh. I was just like, are they going to be able to live up to Toss a Coin in Her Sweet Kiss? And they fucking did because Burn Butcher Burn is so good.
0: <laughs> it is a banger. <laughs> yep. Yeah.
1: I love it because, like, I went on Tumblr and so many people were like, yes, this is here in his reputation era. We stand. <laughs> There were some people being salty. Oh. That was like. Other people have written breakup songs, but it's just like whatever. This is so. That's it has so- such a Swift <laughs> vibe.
0: <laughs> a small thing in the books that I've liked is Yaskir um, Dandelion is very famous. Oh yeah, like he's like super famous to the point that like in the book, Siri has not met him yet, but she's read some of his like some of his books like and things like that which is just fun that she's like oh you know she she read this in the library and she really enjoyed it and i'm just like hey she hasn't even met him yet (laughs) Wait till she finds out that's her dad's best friend slash
1: boyfriend (laughs) but yeah oh man because they're like (laughs) i there were so many different great reactions um on tumblr When people were talking about like burn, butcher, burn, it's like, imagine you're a peasant and you hear toss the coin and you're like, oh man, these two must be really close. And then a few years later, you hear burn, butcher, burn, and you're like, whoa, what happened
0: there? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. There is like a full, like half a chapter in Blood of Elves, which is just the audience talking back to him and being like, so what's this song about? is this the real thing what happened to these people what's going on with these people and he's just like artistic license and they're like no I need to know and now politics and also what about these people it's like seriously like just the people in the audience like bickering back and forth about what the songs mean and I love the stand Stand in the
1: docks when he was trying to sneak on the boat and the fucking guy's like The song is okay, but it was kind of really confusing and brr, brr, brr. And Jaskier just can't stop himself. And he's like, oh, really?
0: (laughs) Oh, no, he can't stop. He's got his musician's pride. Yeah, it's just,
1: oh, my beautiful bisexual (laughs) dumbass. I love him so much. (laughs) (laughs) So is there anything else you'd like uh, to discuss about The Witcher or maybe... Hopes for the next season I mean other than just more dad vibes please more dad vibes
0: <laughs> yeah I just uh one thing that I think will be interesting they only like very briefly touched on it in the show and it's a little bit more uh touched on in the first novel is uh Dandelion Yaskir being a spy
1: oh yeah they kind of yeah I caught that briefly thing where he's like I'll have to call the bard and I'm like
0: (gasps) yeah it's just like this little sprinkle but it's in the book it's much more obvious Mm -hmm. but then also at the same time it's like he's playing two sides and he's really actually always on Geralt's side and then kind of trying to also uh you know get paid to be a spy yeah I think that that would be really
1: fun because as much as I love Joey in terms of like comic relief, I would love to see him be able to do more because I think he's capable of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would love to see a more expanded role for Yaskir in the second season where we get to see him kind of in the spider's web with Dijkstra. He gives me such um, Lord Varys vibes. <laughs>
0: yes. <Yeah. laughs> My little birds. Yes. I, I would like to see more of him. And like you said, the dad stuff with Geralt. And I'd like to see more of like Yennefer embracing this like Siri as her child. Oh, yeah. And like moving past the womb trauma and just embracing this maid family. Instead. Yeah, I found
1: family is one of my favorite tropes, favorite, favorite yeah. tropes. And that, yeah, that especially now that they're all kind of on the same page, because that was one thing that I'm really interested in seeing is how Geralt and Yennefer not move past, but like go forward with her having mm-hmm. done this big betrayal and essentially trying to sacrifice his child surprise, his child even. To, yeah, for just so that she can get her magic back, like the whole scene in like the seventh or like the next last episode when they're down in Sintra, when yeah, when uh he's like holding the sword up to Yennefer's throat, it was like oh yeah, mm-hmm. it was the last episode where he's like holding the sword up to Yennefer's throat and the dwarfs like oh is this girl yours and he's like mine and I'm like. <gasps> I felt that on so many levels, like a sexy level, but then also like a, yeah, dad. (laughs) Because he's like, that's my baby girl. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So yeah, like you could just see, that was one of the things where I thought that Henry actually did a really good job and in communicating that it's like, you have betrayed me. You have like really fucked up here and it's going to take a lot before that trust can be
0: restored yeah to re-earn the trust
1: yeah absolutely so yeah i'm excited to see them kind of moving forward as this little trio of a found family and how that dynamic mm-hmm. is going to be because i think it's going to be really cute and also fraught with drama
0: <laughs> of course
1: and then also like i just can't wait for whatever banger yaskier is going to put out next Also, Joey Beatty, please put out another album. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for joining me. This was so much fun. (laughs) Yes.
0: Thank you so much for having me. We'll
1: definitely have to have you come back on for uh, another discussion, like probably a Harry Potter discussion because oof, I think I need to get some feelings off my chest about the Harry Potter series.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yes. Yes. I've uh, reread it a couple of times in the past years and then just yeah, but I'll save it. Yeah, I'll, we'll save save it. it. I'll save it. <laughs> so many opinions. Where
1: can people find you on the interwebs if they would like to hear more from you?
0: Yes. Uh, so I am mostly active on Twitter um, <laughs> at Manda Ailey. Um, it's like Amanda Bailey, but without <laughs> the A or the B. Um, so it's M A N D A A I L <laughs> E Y. And that's that's my thing um so yeah i'm mostly active on twitter you can also find me um under that username on letterboxd um if you want to see what movies i'm watching or on goodreads if you want to see what i'm reading because i'm reading a lot it helps me escape the real world covid what it doesn't matter yeah, if you fantasy world <laughs> yay books
1: yeah, I will make sure uh, yeah, so. to include all of your links <laughs> to your personal social media and then also the links to Pot Appetit. Like seriously, especially follow them on Instagram because like, oh my God, the posts make me so hungry.
0: <laughs> I have to give all props for Instagram. That is my co-host Justine, who is one of my best friends in the world. And she is amazing at Instagram. So yes, follow her too. She's wonderful.